1: Today on the Shakti Hour, I am here with Bobby Clinnell, a senior Iyengar yoga teacher uh, in New York City. She is the author of several books The Women's Yoga Book, The Yoga for Breast Care, and a kid's book, Watch Me Do Yoga. Uh, I came to Bobby uh, through a friend of mine who recommended her women's class at the Iyengar Institute here in New York uh, several years ago. Went to the class, loved it, and then discovered the women's yoga book, which I use constantly, refer to constantly. And so Bobby and I are here today. Thank you so much for your time. If you want to give us a quick introduction of how you came to yoga.
2: Well, um, around, it would have been around over 40 years ago, somewhere in the in the mid-70s or early 70s, there'd been a lot of um, cultural changes in the in the West anyway for the young uh, and um, it, it was you know a, a time when people were 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 looking for um, spiritual answers or sort of moving out of a, a somewhat mechanistic time uh, which is what the well that was what the 60s was uh, moving into uh, another phase and uh i think for a while you know probably drugs and and that sort of thing um w- was part of that and then you know the next phase out of that was to t- was to to find some other answer which didn't you know Im- involve closing yourself down and 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 so yoga was one of those um was a, was something that came along And there were other things um and people were looking to the east, uh, so we we were having a love affair—not all of us, of course—but some of us with uh, with India and and gurus. So somebody recommended we go to an Iyengar yoga class, and uh, we went. And there was a class in um, a church hall. It was a small class, and that was it. That that I never looked elsewhere. Huh. That was it. My first yoga class so many over 40 years ago has has stayed with me that method stayed with me and um, it was very nuts and bolts and muscles and bones for a very long time Uh, and which was good news I mean that's really as a beginner that's the best way to start your yoga because everything else is it becomes very seductive and I think uh, and 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 it's very fascinating, but I think you need the the groundwork first. Anyway, that that's how and that was
1: enough though. Coming from this time, um, um the time is this late sixties. Is that what I'm coming from? This time with all this experimenting and drug culture and exploration of different points of view, the nuts and bolts was enough to. Pull you in, uh, even coming from these other pseudo mystical things, it, it it drew you in. Well, mis-
2: yes, the nuts and bolts brought us, brought me down to earth. Um, it was it, it grounded me, uh, and um, it it still held enough promise of, uh, of of something more interesting. I mean, it wasn't entirely devoid of, of philosophy and uh, and of course the, the it was there if you if you cared to look for it it was there but it wasn't it wasn't taught it it, it, it the, were the, the they using the sanskrit taught... names of the poses in yes. those classes so that's that's yes. interesting uh, that
1: enough in to itself, begin with yeah 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 and then uh when did you first how did you first get to india from that from we... that class how how long from that first class did it take for you to end up actually in India with Ayengar? Two years. Two years. Yeah,
2: oh. and he'd come to um, England, and and so we'd already seen him. He'd come. He travelled a lot, Mr. Ayengar, in those days, all over the world, and and England was one of the first places um, that it was established. Was it? That was one of the. I think it was the first place it was established. And um, we figured out that oh yeah he's coming to England and he's going to, and he put on a demonstration at a big hall somewhere which we went to, and he gave yoga classes and we found our way, very luckily into one of those yoga classes me and my husband, and we just said okay let's go find him in India, and um, that was what we did we just got on a plane and went, <laughs> and, and it was, it was. Super exciting, it still is whenever I go, uh, and frightening, yeah, at the same time, yeah,
1: and at this time, um where was India in your consciousness?
2: My father was born in India, uh, and it wasn 't in the front of my brain at all that he 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 died a long time ago, passed away when I was ten. Um, but my ancestors or the family had been out there in India as part of, uh, you know, the Brits in India, you know. And, and it wasn't something I'd, I'd taken any, any notice of on a conscious level. Um, and then also my grandmother, not on my father's side, had books about India which just fascinated me so interesting and and the books were were illustrations i'm also an illustrator so i would look at these illustrated books of india and and was I, I it sparked my interest it 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 was some kind of karmic instant feeling of connection which may have come from the seeds may have come from the fact that my family was out there although that was so unknown to me if that was the case and it was in the air the Beatles, hippies, uh, tablers you know, the <laughs> fabrics, the incense. That, that was part of, that was engulfing young people's, you know, consciousness and visual sensibilities at that time.
1: Right. So to get on a plane to go there
2: was really going to the source. The, and to go as far away from Western civilization as you could get. Um it was like going to the moon or something. Right. I mean, although it was it it was a romantic idea, but it was it was pretty scary, mm-hmm. and rightly so. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. Well, tell us about your your uh, experience of first landing in India.
2: You land. Uh, you come out of the airport at night, and it seems I think it was in the middle of the night and that first trip we didn't take the children we had two kids, and we, then we took them the next year. Um, there are a lot of people waiting at the um behind the barricades like there are now when you arrive the arrivals point, so there's all these people waiting for 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 other people to get off planes, and they all seemed uh very short. <laughs> it's like such a, 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 a an uninformed v- viewpoint that I had. They, they, I thought, oh, these must be poor Indians. Of course, they were upper middle class Indians waiting for people to get off flights. I mean, that's a strange. That was, that was what I thought. You know, oh, you know, uh and then we got in a car, Lindsay. My husband had booked us into the Taj Mahal, which was a very grandiose thing to do. We were young. We were 20-something or 30-something, and we didn't have any money. We didn't, you know, but anyway, he booked us into the the biggest, flashiest hotel he could think of, or the, probably the only one he knew the name of right. in Mumbai, because uh, he thought it would break, Though it would help us to sort of, and he was right, although there are other, now I know, if you have to stay the night, you don't have to go to the a five-star hotel um, and we drove across town in the middle of the night in a cab uh, and you could see the fires people burning fires and, and and people who live on the street and also other people dressed in white which most of the men are dressed in white running across flitting backwards and forwards across the road there are no crossings or anything you just you just walk across the road now i i understand but then it, these are these are strange impressions but they were so un-english the place was was so not london right and then and i was young you know and then we arrived at the taj and sat in the coffee shop um at the taj mahal hotel to, to eat something which seemed to be full of the most glamorous beautiful people i had ever I've never seen people who look like that, and they were young Indians, you know. And they may have been from the, the um, movie world, but they just look—I just couldn't stop looking at them. So that th- those first impression, and then you you get to Pune, and then that you're you're in another land. You're in, you're at the Ayenga Yoga Institute of Pune. Right. Right. Wow, that sounds
1: like such a. A, a fascinating trip i mean this is a this is not an uh, this is a moment when imagination and illustrations were what we were working with, yes, yeah, so to come and land and 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 to be instantly present I mean I know my uh, one trip to India had that very uh instant presence experience because it is so wildly different than any anything and anywhere else so immediately you're drawn into this
2: experience and and very present time it doesn't hang on anything you're just nothing there does it nothing reminds you of anything correct yeah so that
1: chaotic yes the chaotic energy the colors the smells the The smells really leave this impression on you yeah so you make it through there. You come to to the institute, and now you're studying with.
2: Iyengar at the institute. Yes, um, and were there other women there? I can't remember. There why. were we other t- men and women, mostly women who study study yoga anyway, into, uh, the world over. Most of the classes, huh. there are men in the classes, but even now, even in you know these times, it's mostly women. Um, I thought they were huge classes. And then I look at the photos and there were like 12 people in the class. You know, I just seem to remember it being some sort of vast, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people in there. And and I've been now 45 times or something to India since then. Um, And for the first, at least the first 10 trips, I would hang around the outside of this. I would I would not be the one in the front row I I, I would be uh, absorbing it from afar huh. keeping my distance from Mr Trianga who I I got closer to but I mean I'm his student I'm not a, you know as a, as a like a student would to a guru something just kept drawing me back I knew that I had to to go and be there and absorb it but I had to do it and. It, 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 in slow increments i couldn't just throw myself into the heart of it that it felt it felt as if i was uh somewhat unworthy i was also a, a woman coming out of english culture where you didn't you didn't um say anything in public and your opinions didn't count for anything so huh. and i was young i think when you as you get older as a woman, you you can feel freer to to um, say what you want to say. But I think young women, at least in in when I was young, maybe not now, but young women are uh, um, are shy. I think so. I was shy in those classes. Right, but still able to participate
1: because again that this is focused mostly on the physical yes so we're not in long discussions of philosophy no and you're not at all no really focused on alignment really focused yeah. on what's happening in your body yes right now. you're
2: just in the class and you're yeah. doing it and doing it and doing it kept in the moment by this by this master i mean he he, he there's no doubt and i don't even use the word genius because genius is a is a sort of a, a mundane word really it, he's he was a master and and, um, and you and you were trained then to teach. Right then,
1: you were certified to teach.
2: Well, in those days, uh, there wasn't any. Now there's a very specific teacher training program, and it's it's really good and very rigorous, and the longest teacher training program you're ever the mo- the deepest that you're ever likely to get in the yoga world. Um, then um, we went one year with an English you would call her a senior teacher and she said to Mr. Iyengar will you certify some of my students will you just look at them and decide whether they're worthy of certification that's how it happened so Lindsay and I both became certified by him and got our little certificates which I still have and you're certified in, in Iyengar yoga at a certain level now you have to um actually participate and pass a teacher training program mm-hmm. but then that's at a certain level then you've got to get the next level there's about i don't know six levels that you you just keep going up you know so he he certified us i think in i think i was certified in 76 1976 so coming back from this how long were you in
1: india the first time
2: always I would always go for a month except one year I went for two months or we went for two months but pretty well it was one month each time and in those days every two years once it was every four years but generally it was every two years for a month. So when you came back from this
1: first month in India back to London what was that like for you? Were you able to bring that back with you? And luckily you had, you know, this was your family, your husband and you were both on the same journey together. So how how did that work for you to transition back into British living?
2: Well, um, you felt amazing. I remember you, you you feel amazing when you come back. And it's not just because you've had a break. It's not just because you, you, you're not t- doing whatever you normally do and you, you're... You're not shopping and you're not working and you know there's there's that of course but it's it's uh a different um you're, you're you've gone deep into your into yourself even though uh, and I don't know why I should say even though you've been practicing uh, what I call nuts and bolts yoga for a long time until uh, the, the vocabulary changed and the accent changed at some point and Guruji started talking about other the subtle body, you know. But in those early days, of course, he wasn't talking about the subtle body, but we were working on a subtle level. Right. Al- although we, it wasn't being um, articulated. Hmm. And so when you came back from India... Yes, you'd had a break, and yes, you'd been subjected to something really different from your normal life, which is also always, you know, liberating. But you'd uh, been practicing yoga, which had, um, you know, penetrated from the the deep inside of you, uh, which is hard to talk about, you know.
1: Right, without the experience. And so yeah. you,
2: you, you're you floating for the first six months when you get back. Yeah. You're just without, you know. You have a lot of power, a lot of, uh, of energy. Not sure whether you know exactly when you're young exactly what to do with that. But also you've, you've watched how the Indians live. You're slowly getting more um, uh, aware of how other people live. And in the West, the, the family was was um, discredited really, it wasn't respected, motherhood wasn't really respected in the 60s and 70s, uh, and India is very conservative culture, and the family is everything, and women are, are, um, are looked upon as mothers, they looked upon. You look at a woman, and whether I'm not saying you should judge her or anything, but she's not a sexual being. She's a mother or a prospective mother. Right. So it's so different how you 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 come back from a culture like that, and you're um you're getting a perspe- a huge perspective on on things on on certainly on what it is to be a woman.
1: How did that? Influence than your life on the ground, with your with your children, with the rest of your family, with your work there.
2: I think it um, it it uh, made me feel more um, valued as a as being in a family and being a woman in a family and being the mother of children and and the wife of somebody, um, which uh which. I'm sure played out better for everybody concerned, everybody in my immediate small family with two children, uh, coming from um, a a broken family, really. I mean, what I came out of, um, it helped me to um, grow into... and, And it taught me, it just taught me how to be... In a family and a better mother that was and also of course the yoga you know it that's that was coming from the culture, but the yoga itself yoga always um calms you down and and makes you feel better about yourself. That's why people do it really
1: right you're, you're so gr- grounded and yeah. there's a confidence that's yes. beyond your mind, yes, that starts to come
2: out and yes. integrate into your life yes i remember having that growing um, pr- perspective on the wor- on the world outside of you know the our normal cultural norms and i remember it being uh people would make fun of me i was i was working in the animation business for years and years i taught yoga as well in those early days but um i i, I didn't earn a living Nobody would have assumed, uh, uh, there was no way you could earn a living as a yoga teacher. and I wasn't ready, for, anyway, to be a full-time yoga teacher yet. I'm glad. I, I, I waited a long time before I started teaching. How long did you wait? Well, I taught for a bit, and then I stopped. And, and I didn't t- start teaching full-time till I came to New York, actually. And I've been here 20, 20 years or 25 years, but I've been doing yoga for 45 years or 43, or something. So, I mean, a good 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I, I waited before I started teaching yoga, and it was always there in the stars. It was going to happen. Yeah. Um, did you know that? Some, yeah. 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 You knew you were going to come to teaching
1: yeah. at some point. Yeah. 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 And when did you know it was the right time Well, to start uh, offering we, that?
2: we... It looked as if um, it was foisted on us. Of course, nothing ever is, you know. We'd come to America um, without a safety net, of, uh, you know, and decided to move countries, which was... Um, my husband was making a film here, so I followed him here. My eldest son had already left home and had a job and had a life, and had a so he wasn't living with us anymore. And the youngest one came with us, Jake, and... Um, I reinvented myself because I had to because it just didn't carry over what I was doing in England it didn't it didn't work here and and I was over I was, that was the end I didn't want to do animation anymore so and I started to teach yoga but it, but you blame it on the circumstance it, you always say oh well because we came to America and I couldn't do animation but uh, but you've made that decision long ago and you fit the internally you've made that decision decision. on a soul level or yeah you can blame it on the externals right but you've also been responsible even though it looks like you haven't you've been responsible for everything that happens to you right
1: right well and when and when in your life were you able to recognize that to accept that responsibility because i find that that's something that's talked about in a lot of spiritual circles and can be very challenging to reconcile in the moment
2: but but when you when you finally absorb that, life becomes very peaceful yeah um,
1: and when were you able to oh, absorb that i
2: I think I've been thinking about it, or it's been swirling around in my head, and you might say I've been meditating on it for a long time. It comes to the surface, you know it slowly works its way into your into something you can wrap your head around. And I, I think that's only been the last ten years um, that I've really um, understood that um, no, that your circumstances are not due to any external events or people or even if. Um, you, it could it may be that it's happened over lifetimes and and if you don't do yoga then you don't believe that or you don't understand that but uh, but a lot of it uh, you don't have to look back lifetimes even you can see that everything that's happened to you or where you are now let's say where where you are right now is right where you've put yourself
1: hmm. Then you... Did you have an aha moment about that? Or did you, or like you said, you've been ruminating it on it for some time, but was there an, uh, do you remember an, a, like an aha
2: moment where everything kind of clicked? I may have done, but I think it was a series of aha moments. Yeah. I don't think it was one aha moment. I think it was little aha moments that built up to a crescendo and then you know it for sure.
1: Right, then the certainty. There's yeah. some practice yeah. of faith or contemplation. And then there's this, this certainty. Yes, and that and certainty was with you the whole time. Yeah,
2: but not recognized as not such. Not recognized, yeah. and uh, doubts creep in. And you know the, the um, uh, uh, old uh, you know um, little bits of machinery whir around in your brain and tell you, and you get angry and you start talking to yourself about something something that shouldn't have gone one way or should have yeah. gone another way or and you get annoyed with somebody or uh you get right. bitter or you get resentful or you get upset or you get overwhelmed you know that has to um be um you have to look at that then you have to deal with that in the moment even if you've already got this certainty still those doubts will come and will come hmm. and you know unless maybe you are a great master or something um and then you have to silence those, and I don't mean suppress them. It's not about suppression. It's not about squashing it or putting it all into a room and shutting the door.
0: Yeah.
2: It's about going to another part of your uh, mind and finding the the um, vijnanamaya kosha, the the intellectual mind. And that's not to say coldness, but the but the where you look at things. The way they are, and you just have to look at things the way they are, and then all that sort of muttering and, and, and misemotion or whatever it is, it just it goes away if you if you can shine a, a direct light on it.
1: Can you think of a time when, or can you think of a time or times throughout this your year, many years of practicing yoga, where that skill? set was useful to you like any difficulties or even just a subtle thought where you actually worked through it and returned to a state of groundedness well I think think
2: I've had I mean I've had many many struggles in my life I came out of a a, a chaotic family and uh, and and it's been a series of of, um, struggles and uh, they're, they're, things feel very nice and peaceful now, thank goodness, you know. But, um, you know, the struggle of moving from one country to another is huge, is, is moving out of everything that feels safe and that seems to work. And actually, of course, it's just getting more and more static and stuck. But, you know, you cling to that. Uh, so that upheaval that was that was a massive upheaval mm-hmm. um and i i don't know that uh, that would have been 25 years ago i i don't know that that is where i started look saying to myself okay let's look at this the way it is i don't think i had that then i think it's been since then and and since um my i've deepened my awareness of of, uh, of philosophy really not that I, don't, I can't say I sit and read and a tremendous amount but I've gone through phases of, of study of, of reading the Vedas reading the Bhagavad Gita reading the sutras and, um, and certain of those truths have, have, have resonated you have to be ready for, for them to resonate and so any struggles I've had which have been many you know, since we moved here, have helped me to um, to
1: to grow. Right, I'm seeing that 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 cycle now. Just based on what you said, of being able to look at things as they are, that that being ready to receive a teaching is sometimes a struggle. Is that yes? Is that um, readying force? Yes. So that now you can integrate this other thing. But it's so, it strikes me so much about your particular, you know, relationship to yoga, and that it was presented, that came to you out of the, I'll call it the wildness of the, of the time into this very clean, kind of straight physical practice. And, but built this, this structure so that, you know, over time, the, the deepening of the philosophical points of view and the integrating that into your life could unfold quite naturally. And it feels that that is definitely not a capitalist way to take in uh, yoga these days. And um, it's not a, uh, a la carte either kind of way really is building from the foundation mm, yes, up yes. in, in developing these well. teachings and um can you speak to that as you i know you travel a lot teaching a lot how does that manifest in the world today
2: you see that um yoga is a very has become very popular and uh obvi- obviously people want to do yoga and I, I so understand that i mean you know uh it, it makes so much sense and uh and people are um, flocking to yoga classes all over the world, you know. Um, and then um, they w- want to become teachers, and they want to become. Te- it looks like they look at you and they think, "Oh, that looks like a great lifestyle," <laughs> you know. Th- that, and uh, because we've we are not in the um, corporate world, except we are earning a living. Doing this, but we're not. Uh, I, although I've been in it for a long time, but we're we're not in it now. And anyway, I should have retired long ago. I mean, I'm I'm past retirement age. And um, th- but you see that people want to do teacher training and they want to become teachers and they and uh, and it, sometimes I think it that happens very fast, and and it's not for me to judge what their reasons are because it's because yoga is yoga and it'll eventually and it's true yoga and whatever method you 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 study it's yoga and it there's a sort of protection in there hmm. you know um it has a sort of uh, uh an immaturity to it when I look at it on, a, on a, you know in all the places that i that i teach um I think people are not always ready to teach, and sometimes they're speeding that process up. They yeah. want to become teachers so bad, they, yeah. they, they make that a... you know. But, listen, we need teachers. We, we, so, you know, I'm not too worried about it, but I, I see that uh, it, it, whatever reasons they chose, they decided to do, to become teachers in the first place, that may change over time. So it's all fine. It's all good. Right. That changing over time. And it's just, it's a,
1: it's a different uh, era, point of view to have this, you know, the mystique of, of, of going to India. I mean, that was a big deal for you guys to get there in the first place. And, and then, you know, the humility of being in the presence of this master. It's not an experience that everybody gets to have. You know that gets to have that kind of uh, lead up to their own uh, spiritual awakening. You know, it it seems to be hitting people a little a little more quickly in different ways now. So to your point of we need teachers, maybe it's kind of a catch all, and then that will integrate into you know more mastery and.
2: Yeah. That kind of thing. I think so. I, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't want to squash the enthusiasm. Right. But um, I, I also wouldn't want to see uh, teachers who are not really trained teaching and then discouraging because they don't really, they don't have much depth to their teaching. It discourages other people, the students. So that's the only thing I would say about that. Is if you go to an unskilled teacher and you get injured or something, uh, and then that puts you off, and then you think yoga's bad, right. so that that would be a pity. But uh, listen, go find a, a decent teacher, and they say you 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 get the teachers you deserve anyway. So, well, <laughs> when when you're ready, it's hard to say that to somebody who lives in the middle of nowhere and there's not many. Te- I mean, you know, there's. Here in New York and in the big cities, there are teachers, and I know there's they're few and far between. Uh, but you've still you've got to find a um, a, um, a good teacher. Yeah, and you, in your own
1: story, stayed connected to your teacher every couple of years throughout his life.
2: So and I mean, as he got older, every year, every year, I went. I started going every year because I didn't I didn't want to miss anything. And being able to be a part of
1: one teacher's kind of leg- like the lifetime of their teaching is quite rare. It's quite special to then for you to then be able to impart that kind of consistency is, you know, like a, it's quite rare.
2: Yes. Um, the Guruji used to sometimes ber- berate us. Um, he used to say we were we were shopping. You know, we'd shop around. He'd call it shopping, going Mm. from one guru to another, Mm. or one thing to another, and and not sticking with one teacher. Mm. Uh, And then you, your body gets confused, and your mind gets confused. Mm. And not to say that you have to be rigid, and but um, I think it's. I feel fortunate that I was able to. um, to, to study with him and and to watch him, f- you know, from when I first met him in his fifties till he died when he was uh, ninety six, I think. So um, I feel very fortunate. I do. I mean, everything that came out of Mr. Anger's mouth was profound. There was nothing else going on. It would always be a teaching tool. He'd always be teaching you actually. Um, and it was it was uh, very direct and scary, and he was scary. <laughs> um, but he... So I managed... I sort of, on some level, got to know him, and he remembered me because I was the person who did that. And I always showed up with my husband, which was unusual. Lindsay did yoga then, came with me. Mm-hmm. And later on, my son came with us. So, and then... You, you you know you come back year after year after year they they know who you are if you stick it out he would get upset if his senior teachers stopped coming which they often would when I think of the people that I started yoga with where are they now you mm-hmm. know what happened to them mm. um, so and I think he would say he would say the same thing he was so he was so on it he, think, he didn't just let things Past, he was he had a very fiery nature right and he wanted you to absorb what he was teaching he did it wasn't like well take it or leave it there was no take it or leave it right I mean that was his, just his personality and and, the, and his his particular psychology but so what
1: led you then to create the the book the the women's yoga book when did you feel ready to offer that wisdom?
2: Well, um, I'd always been inspired by Mr. Dringer's daughter, Gita, who had, Guruji would teach the class and his daughter, Gita, would be at the back of the room taking care of the women who are menstruating. Hmm. They would have a special program and she would be taking care of them. Hmm. And she might, and occasionally things like menopause were mentioned. Uh, I just thought that was Awesome! I'd never heard anybody in polite society talk about menstruation or menopause. I'd never heard anybody mention them actually. (laughs) This is a long time ago. Now they're advertising, you know, sort of sanitary products on the subway, you know. But this is this was another era. Hmm. And um, then I, I, I always, I was always inspired by her anyway, just by her, and. What she knew about women and and that was this whole other. Are you about the knowledge. same age, the two of you? Uh, yeah, oh, ish. Yeah, I think she may be a few years younger, not much. Huh. And then um, I came to the states and d- looked at the menstrual charts that were hanging. You'd have these menstrual charts and they'd be in the classroom. And the teacher, if there were three women having a period or one woman having a period, you'd give them this thing and say, "Do that." You put them over in there, and they'd have they'd be doing that while you take care of the class. And uh, there, there was a, a few of these floating around because now I'm teaching now, you know. Right. And I just thought, these are so badly designed. Someone should do a better job. I'm an artist, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll redraw these. I'll, I'll do everybody mm. a favor. And, and, you know, I started to redraw them. Mm. And it, that's what led to the book. I mean, then it was an, a whole story, but that was the beginning of... Uh, then I realized, oh, there's a bit more to this subject than a menstrual chart, I realised what a big subject it was. Yeah. And I, I thought it would be uh, an offering. Yeah. And a vehicle for me because I'd come out of the world of animation where I'd been drawing and drawing and drawing. and I was like a headless chicken. You, I just kept... <laughs> didn't know how to stop. And I needed... And I have a strong creative drive and I thought it would be... And I'd been animating, you know, so my drawings in that book have an animation, have an animated quality, they sort of follow on. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Right. But the text in the book, too, is so informative. I mean,
1: it really leads you through your cycle and your body and, and different problems and issues that can come up and ways to use postures to do that. I don't know of another resource like that, that's so clearly attuned to those things and and so i mean it it seems like it seems like a life's work in a way in in you know part of what i'm hearing in your story of this you know coming from uh this time in britain and then seeing the the way that the woman was held in indian society integrating that into your life you know over time and now offering this as part of a practice
2: yeah it was indeed you, it yeah. was part of my of a practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It it had to happen. Yeah.
1: What is it that you would offer to women on the spiritual path right now, as like a piece of wisdom? Um. Hmm. Or things that you you see you travel and teach a lot. You know, things that you see coming up over and over again. Or.
2: Well, I, I see that um, uh, there's a sort of a, there is a certain um, feeling of, of uh, men, too, as a, 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 a being not quite knowing who they are and where they are and why they're here. Um, and that, you see, the answer of that is in, in Vedic philosophy, which is um, dharma which is um n- yeah it's fu- is is your life work is probably is finding out what your dharma is which is somewhere lies the, the translation of that is somewhere between your um your aptitude and what you're what you're naturally uh, good at and your duty to the world dharma is is halfway between those two because hmm. if what you're doing is of no use it it um it doesn't it, it doesn't have the same reach or it, it, or the or certainly it's not a spiritual activity if it's a selfish if it's just a selfish act go go be selfish but uh, it, you, you've got to expand beyond that um, to f- flow into Dharma yeah right. and I see particularly the older women who who feel like you know, when I say whatever that word means, you know, 50 or 60 or 70, um, who, uh, have lo- who are losing confidence in themselves and uh, who feel that they, they're not part of life anymore, at least, mm. you know, that they don't have to do anything, they're not needed, they're not respected, they're not loved, um, and they're not, they don't have a contribution. Mm. And I see that a lot. And um, of course, now we have this. This bo- these women. We, what we have is a tremendous number of women of that age now on the planet. We're living this. We never used to live that long. Mm. How many years ago? Hundred years ago, you were dead at fifty, so you didn't have a menopause. You didn't have this this phase. You yeah. Know? And so you didn't. It didn't matter. You you just had your babies and and that was it. You know. Um, now you've got women we've got this half half the women in the world are especially with the if you're looking at right now the baby boomers you know 50 60 70 that that age group um who are having to define themselves not even redefine that what are we gonna who are we what are we here for you know Hmm. and um they that to 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 be able to offer them something where they where they realize the power they have tremendous power Hmm. and uh, and I'm a believer in give a woman power and she will she will um, she will give it to the family Hmm. I just believe that
1: Hmm.
2: so give it to the group she'll give it to somebody she'll give it to her either her family or people around her and um, so it it, I I think yoga is a way of of self-empowerment which doesn't, it doesn't necessarily build, you know, egos gone crazy. So
1: for this, this, this older generation, it's, it's kind of re-tapping into recognizing your own innate power, your own, and what about for young, younger women that are on the spiritual path or starting, what would you offer, offer them?
2: Uh, y- y- young women um, n- know that you're uh, don't be in a hurry. Uh, un- also, young women understand your power. You, you you have more influence, and maybe women these days maybe they understand that. Maybe young women ha- understand that. I don't I don't really know. But you have more influence than you think, hmm. and. Um, and what to, what sh- how do they access that influence how do they use that influence um well they they use it i think women i don't think uh, i don't know even if you have to tell women how to use their influence because once they know they have it mm-hmm. i so believe that the nature of women because we are the caregivers because we are the people that glue everything together because we are the peacemakers hmm. I think when we get that influence I think that's what we do with it. I don't think you have to tell them. I think they do that. Yeah. I mean and 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 uh I love men, you know. I mean I'm a man lover. What what can <laughs> I tell you, you know? Um but I've but I feel um supportive of women because we still need to support each other because we 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 do. We don't We've been stripped somehow, just by the the waves of energy, you know, of our power, and uh, our because when we find we when we understand that power, because I really believe that women, they're collecting together. They're uh, it's a it's a it's a, a female energy. Green energy is a female energy. Hmm. Banning. Plastic teaspoons. It's a female energy. Men may be doing it, but it's a, it's a, it's a woman thing. You see. So, and I think women do that. How does
1: yoga or how does a spiritual practice help you stay in touch with
2: that power? Well, it's sustaining, and and you don't get tired. Spirituality. Where does the spirit end and the body begin, or the other way? What Guruji used to say: Where does the body end and the mind begin? Yeah, there, there. It's all connected. You know, your body is a spiritual thing. Um, and when you practice... I, I just keep bringing it back to practicalities. When you have a, 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 a yoga practice, because I think it's a smart... Uh, on a physical level, it's the smartest physical practice I know when I look around me at, the, at what other people are doing, which I, you know, carry on if you want. But uh, uh, yoga is, th- is uh, smart, You know, it it incorporates so much, Um, and and if you practice on on what seems to be a physical, you may think it's on a physical level, but it's a spiritual level. You don't have to close your eyes very tight (laughs) and try and think spiritual thoughts. If you if you work, if you do the poses, you are um, released. A, a, A lot of pain goes away. And and there's freedom in that, and you can go about the world, you enjoy your life. But and you and that and that allows that access to that power. Yes, that allows access. Cause to Because those power. other
1: things, these the distractions and the well, you have
2: you have a lot. A lot of is put upon us. We have to work. We have to bring up kids. We have to do everything. We you know women are working hard. Uh, it, it taxes us on so many levels, hormone levels going wrong, Um, a lot of um, physical disturbances, you know, occur because of the stresses and strains, Um, because we, we, we want to maintain the balance between our external lives and everything that we have to do in the world, and our internal, if you give everything to the external, you'll lose yourself. If you don't stop and do something... In many cultures, people have shrines and rituals and they pray, you know, on a daily basis in their own home. In India, they do. And every shop has a deity with, with flowers around it. And it's part of their... That's their bottom line, you know. And in England, the bottom line is what, who was your father and where did you go to school? In America, it's how much money have you got, you know so if if we uh, uh give ourselves too much to to that, then we l- we'll lose ourselves, and we won't be able to function so well on a practical level and uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing when we're doing well, by the way, when we're doing well financially and yeah. and in the f- physical world that's you know that's the world we but without
1: have that without that uh attention to the spiritual then you just get physical. depleted I think you get depleted and you don't you can't recognize that power to then influence and use it for yeah. good yeah when we, when we spoke previously that uh, I had written that down The your piece of advice you'd shared was don't get tired oh, and right. I really love that it because it's so simple but it really is yeah. a great cue because we, uh, i Personally, I'll speak for myself. I will push myself. Yes. And because I do have that power, I can. Yes. But then what decisions am yeah. I making? What am I really offering? Yeah. And then that's that that part of the imbalance of the feminine is now I'm giving too much. Yes. And I haven't restored. I haven't connected. And that bottom line is shot. We're yeah. in the red. Yep. Yep. Well said. So... Um so I really love that I've I've shared that with people this is you know here's real simple just don't get tired yeah. and it's so you know a mother of two with a job is going to look at you like you're crazy but right. even that possibility right even remembering that possibility right. right is helpful in in uh then the boundaries become natural right. I don't have to conceive of my boundaries if i just know i'm getting tired i pull in
2: yes and what do you do you have a you have a method of, of restoring and and you stick to that and me, whether it used it's to yoga be, or meditation yeah, whatever or, it is yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah used to be my menstrual sequence even if my practice was going haywire in in those old days when i was in the animation business and bringing up two kids mm-hmm. um at once a month I did that menstrual sequence. I just came home to that. And, mm. and I had my other practice, but if that if that got eroded, I would stop and, and for five days would be practicing a menstrual sequence. Great. Yeah, yeah that's great because that's built in. That's built in, yeah. Yeah, that's part of your cycle and your rhythm.
1: And to you specifically. Yeah. You can't deny that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that we've covered so much great stuff today. Uh, thank you again for um, taking time to talk with me. And uh, I, I just want to advise anybody who comes through New York City that, uh, to check out uh, Bobby's classes at the Iyengar Institute. And please check out uh, through our Amazon link. will be on the page to uh, get a hold of Bobby's books. And thanks again so much for your time. It's
2: such a pleasure. You're so welcome. So nice talking to you.